Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. Uh, Can we believe it's almost Christmas? Merry Christmas to all of you. Good to see you guys. Looking good on this cold, cold Texas morning. A couple things, man. Uh, This Christmas series, I Hate Christmas, I'll explain that more in a minute, but I need you to do me a favor. We have an app. Hope Fellowship has an app. Over 50,000 people have downloaded this app, and if you haven't, uh, you're not in the in crowd. You know what I'm saying? You're kind of on the outside. So I want you to do me, um, hey, still there. Hey, buddy. This is our drummer, Phil, and he is incredible, isn't he? Dude, thank you. All right. You just wanted attention, didn't you, bud? Hopefellowship.net slash app. He's going to kill me later. Um, if you would do me a favor, there, you go to the app and, or download it. It's real easy. And then right on the front page of that, there is a, a survey. I hate Christmas survey, and I've got two questions for you, and it's going to help me for Christmas Eve, okay? So Christmas Eve, uh, the theme of the whole uh, Christmas Eve services is love, and uh, I'm very excited about that. So if you could help me out, just go to the app, and uh, not right now, but download it later, and then ask, answer those two questions, uh, that would help me out tremendously. Okay, now, um, before I dive into the message, um, a couple of things, Prosper Campus. Let me just give you a little update. Prosper, all of you guys out there, I love you. Um, that campus, since we started in, uh, well, since we opened the new building uh, in September, middle of September, it's doubled in size. And listen, most of those people have come from a not in, been in church for a long, long time people. Can we give it up for them? And we're so glad you're here. We love you. So glad. As, as most of you know, we've been in a campaign for a couple of years. We're ending that in December, so this year ends that campaign. And over the last two years, we're going to be able to raise um, about $6 million over and above our regular giving. And that's because of your faithful giving. So I want to thank you, all of you, across all of our campuses for giving to that project. Now, I have one more thing. Uh, now, at the end of the year, Here's my goal. Obviously, you have a pledge for Prosper, and if you want to keep doing that, awesome. We have done some math, and um, end of the year, so, so what we do in our budgeting, our, our budget, uh, or our income last year was about $19 million. I know that sounds like a lot. There's a lot of people that we have. Um, we budget below what we bring in, so I think our budget was like 16 or, or something like 16.7 or, or whatever is our budget, and then whatever else we save. Okay, so we save. So we have quite a bit of money saved, and we were going to put that toward the Prosper Campus. But if you understand math, you understand the banking thing. So at Prosper Campus, that building, we signed the, the loan for 4.5%. Now, that sounds like a lot compared to three years ago, but right now, that's not a lot. We have two campuses, McKinney and Frisco West, that go up next year in interest. So whatever that prime plus is, it will go up probably 7 8%. Right now, it's like at 3-something or whatever it is. So what we're going to do, if we can raise by the end of the year, here's my goal, and I know this sounds like a lot of money, but in comparison to what all we bring in, it's not a lot. If I can raise an additional $400,000 over and above our regular giving, we can pay off Frisco West, and we can pay off McKinney Campus debt-free. That's $20 million worth of buildings. So 
Um, I'm just going to ask you to, to pray about that, and, and, and maybe you have end-of-year bonuses coming or Christmas bonuses or whatever. Um, man, we, I would love to start paying some of these campuses off, and, and we're, we're well on our way to doing that. Um, and if you, if you have it in your heart to give, man, you don't have to, but if you want to, we're so grateful. Now, uh, I hate Christmas. That may be a confusing title. Because how many love Christmas? I mean, I love, I love the Christmas season. I love the music. I love the, the, the decorations. I love the lights and the trees and all this stuff. I love the message uh, of Christmas. But like the video showed about Grinch, if you, if you were raised watching that, I was raised watching that. It was one of my favorites, actually. Um, and one of the reasons it's still my favorite now is because of the end of the story. It's not because Grinch was so, you know, moody and so mean and, and had a heart uh, two times less the size of it was or supposed to be or, or whatever. I love it because he comes around to the message, the real message of Christmas. But, but like some of us, how many, about midway through December, you're sick of the parties, you're sick of the music, you're sick of the traffic, you're sick of the people, you're sick of the food, you're, I mean, how many, no, don't raise your hands because I know that we wouldn't want to admit that. But a lot of us are like, man, I, you, know, I, you know, I don't like this. I'm ready for this to be over. I just can't wait for it to be over. And then you got family coming in from out of state and they're weird. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, this, I'm ready for this to be over. Well, you're a Grinch. Whether you knew it or not, if, you are, if that kind of plays into your heart and stuff that you're a Grinch and we're going to solve that in this series, all right? What we want to do in this Advent, and, and Advent means arrival. It means the coming of Christ, but it also means the second coming of Christ. We're looking forward, we're looking back at the first coming, the Christ child, born of a virgin, born in a manger, lived a sinless life. And then we look forward to his second coming. That's what Advent is. And so when we say we're in an Advent season, we're joining churches and Christians throughout the centuries of just looking forward to Christmas Day and his first coming, and his second coming. But if you and I struggle with some of this uh, Christmas stuff, and it, it, maybe it's gotten a little too commercialized for you, maybe uh, the traffic is and the shopping is and the pressure of the financial strain of Christmas, the pressure of relationships, that maybe you're in a marriage right now that's really challenging. Maybe there's somebody that will be missing at the table this year. And it's just challenging. It's, it's really, really a painful time. Holidays can be. So uh, we thought, what, what could we do if maybe hate is a strong word, but maybe Christmas is not as fun. It's not the best time of the year that, that everybody says it might be. Here's where we're going over the next four weeks. Today, we're going to talk about patience. Next week, we're going to talk about hope, and next week, the next week, th week three, we're going to talk about joy, and then week four, we're going to talk about kindness. Two of these are not traditional Advent themes today and the fourth, fourth week, um, but, but I'm, I'm hoping that today we're, we're going we're gonna to be helpful. This message, <laughs> you can ask my family, this message is more for me than probably anybody in the room. Patience is one of those things that I, as I've gotten older, I'm the cranky old man, right? Especially in traffic. It is beyond me, and, and, and it's beyond funny now. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because I always joke about it, like, oh, the I know how to drive, y'all don't know how to drive. Well, 
it's, uh, you know, it's to the point where this message is really for me. Not just with traffic. Family, shopping, you know, people, uh, things that happen. I mean, I could be working on my motorcycle and lose my patience like, just like that. And it reminds me, listen, it reminds me of someone who raised me. My dad. Now, he's in heaven, so it's easy for me to make fun of him. But he was such a great man. But he was impatient. For instance, working on cars. He, he, my dad could do anything. He could build anything. He could work on anything. It was sickening. He could take a, a motor apart, put it back together. Um, I, mean, without, I mean, he was just so good at handy stuff. He, he built a, a shed barn thing in our backyard by himself. I mean, I tried to help, but he wouldn't let me because he had no patience. You know, who named the Phillips screwdriver a Phillips screwdriver? How about we call it a star screwdriver? You know what I'm saying? Because when he asked me for a Phillips, I didn't know what he meant. Phillips, is that a name? Is it on the thing? And I'd hand him the, the, the flathead, and he'd be like, no, I said a Phillips. Never mind. Go see what your mom wants. And, and it would be, oh, my gosh. And so now, these days, it is a, it is a challenge for me to screw in a light bulb um, without breaking an arm or something. So um, thanks to my dad for his impatience and some of us, chalk impatience up to it's just my personality. It's just who I am. I'm an impatient person. I don't know where it came from, and I can't help it. It's just who I am. Well, I have a few thoughts for myself and for you if you struggle. Now, some of you don't struggle. Some of you are very patient people, and, uh, you know, God bless you. But for those of us who struggle in this area and other areas, I, I think today's going to be really helpful. But as it relates to patience, I have one question for you. Have you ever thought about your PQ, your patience quotient? You know what I'm saying? You have, you have an EQ, emotional, you have your IQ, your intelligence. But how many uh, ever thought about our patience quotient? So what I'd like to do is talk about two things today that I think will be really helpful for all of us, whether you struggle with this or not. Two things. Patience is multidimensional, and patience is a transformation issue. Now, this is a huge one. I have never, I don't know that I've ever taught a full message just on patience. It's come around with, with uh, you know, friendships or relationship series or a marriage series, but I don't know that I've ever done just a message on patience. So as I, it's like brand new uh, as far as like how can I approach this? And I, you know, as I say, I, I write, you know, three to five messages every week. And then I pick the one that I feel like is going to be the one that, that really helps. I think this is going to be really, really helpful for us, spiritually speaking. First one is very practical. It's just the dimensions of patience that we struggle with. Then why it is that we struggle with patience. The first one, patience is multidimensional. There are three main, I, I would say, three main areas or, or categories of patience that we struggle. First of all, patience with people. How many know what I'm talking about? There's just a struggle sometimes. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's uh, uh, neighbors. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's uh, uh, kids, your friends at school. There's brothers and sisters. We struggle with people. It's the biggest one. Proverbs 15, 18, though, says, ought-tempered man stirs up dissension, 
but a patient man or woman calms a quarrel. And, and that's what I, I would love to be the kind of person that is a peaceful, at peace, with a lot of patience kind of person. I, I, I want to move toward that. But it's easier said than done. How many know this? It's easier said than done to just, just turn your emotions off just like a, like a switch. It, it's just hard to do. So, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, wrote a lot about this. Romans 12, he talks about patience with one another. Philippians 2, prefer one another. You know, think of yourself lower than, than others. Don't, don't always just think of your own interests, but in others. He talks about this relational patience, but yet in his own life and ministry, struggled with patience. His partner in ministry, Barnabas, we find this in Acts where the, the, they, were, they were going all over the then known world, planting churches and, and going to Jewish synagogues and, and, and various places and they would tell about Jesus and, and, and they, people would get saved and turn to Jesus and get baptized and they were great partners together. They were planning a trip to go on another uh, adventure and they had a disagreement. And it was so deep that Paul and Barnabas had to split because Paul was so angry that he wanted to bring John Mark. And he, so Paul went with Silas and they went their way and, and Barnabas went with John Mark and they went their way. And it was a patience issue, probably more than that, but it was a patience. And you know, Paul was a type A personality. You know that in his writings. He was just, hey, get out of the way. I'm, I'm coming through. If you don't believe me, then, you know, go to hell. Well, I don't care, but I'm, this is what I'm doing. That was the kind of, that was the kind of rhetoric that Paul used. He struggled with this. He struggled with this Peter. In Ephesians, he says, I had to confront Peter to his face. And it's not always wrong to confront people, but there was a patience issue. In other words, my point is, patience is easier said than done. So if you're dealing with a, a, a relational patience issue, what we need is grace. Amen. You ever set at a red light, you're in the front, and you've got a line of cars behind you. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, this is a long light because you've been at this light before. I have those lights in my life that are long. And I sit there. So you get your phone out and you check your email, you check your whatever. The light turns green, but you're looking down at your phone. And somebody behind you, after a few seconds, they're like, okay, bump. you know, there's Jesus honks. Beep, beep. You know, like, beep, beep. like I'm being nice. I'm being nice. I'm just, beep, beep. And there's, right? Now, I know that's a silly, silly illustration. But how many have been the person three or four cars behind and somebody in the front is not moving when it turns green? How many know that is very, very frustrating? We have, pe we have people to meet, places to be. And you're on your phone. But have I ever done that? What I'm saying is, when we need grace, we get ticked when somebody doesn't give it to us. Somebody's blaring, like, hey, you know, what's your hurry? But when, when you're three back and you're like, come on, because you know that light is going to turn red. Right when you get there, it's going to turn red or yellow. We need grace. Now, the second area of patience, the category, is in trouble, patience in trouble. Romans 
uh, Paul talks about this in, in chapter 12. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Many times we lose heart or we even lose a little bit of faith when we face trouble. Now this trouble in the context of where Paul's writing was more a persecution trouble. But in our lives, when we face trouble, when we get a doctor's report that we don't want, when we get a relational issue, we have a relational issue that we don't want, when we have financial issues that we don't want, whatever that case, or, or career issues, or just stuff, right? It just, it just happens. Life happens. Paul says, be patient in trouble. And, and what it really boils down to when we face trouble in the patient's you know, category what we need is trust. With people, we need grace. With trouble, we need a trust in the Lord that no matter what is happening to me right now in my circumstances that I don't understand, I don't like, my kids are crazy, my parents are crazy, my boss is crazy, my team is crazy, my pastor's crazy, whatever, we have to, we have to, we have to say, God, I, okay, let me just back up here just for a second. And I don't understand what's going on right this second. But I'm not going to lose heart. And I'm not going to lose faith. And I'm not going to freak out. And I'm not going to let my emotions rule my decisions. But I'm going to be patient in trouble. And I'm going to check my emotions. And I'm going to do my best to walk in wisdom and trust that, Lord, you have my future you have ordered my steps, Psalm 37. You have ordered my steps. Give me the eyes to see and the heart to obey, to walk in those ordered steps. Amen. Even when it's hard. Even when I don't understand. See, patient and trouble. That's one of the categories. People, trouble. Then the third is purpose. Now, hear me out on this. Many times, you ever, you ever, you ever, gotten impatient with God when it came to, don't raise your hands, but when you, like say, you're, you're wanting to get married and you've been praying for a spouse and it's like not happening. I mean, there's nobody swiping to the right or left or whatever that is, you know, <laughs> on you. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. And you just feel like, you know what, man, I, I'm sick of waiting. God doesn't, I mean, I don't know, God doesn't hear my prayers or maybe he doesn't even really care. Or maybe it's a job situation. You've got a, a, a job offer and you're thinking, well, I'm praying about this, or I'm kind of thinking about praying. <laughs> Many of us say we pray, but we're really thinking about praying. Either way, we get impatient with our future. We get impatient with God's will. So we, listen, we make decisions based out of our impatience, and we get out of his will. Listen, we marry people, We marry people out of this impatience. We take jobs out of this impatience. We make decisions financially out of impatience. And it's all because we're not being patient in our purpose. In Ecclesiastes, the song of or Solomon, the writer says, finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. And what happens when we take matters in our own hands, that's pride. God's not answering fast enough. He's not answering quick enough. 
So we're going to take matters in our own hands. Well, I guess I'll make my decision and I'm going to go take that job or I'm going to go marry that person or I'm going to spend or invest or be partners with or, you know, whatever. And, and we, we wind up, listen, we wind up in the wrong purpose because we didn't have patience in our purpose. And what's needed in our purpose is focus. I remember when we started Hope back almost 24 years ago. And I'll be honest with you. When we started, I thought, man, we're going to take this city and we're going to grow. By the end of the year, we'll probably be three to 500. That was our thought. We're going to be three to 500. Well, guess what? We weren't. Our average for the year was 93. And it was, I didn't worry. I really do believe that God gave me a, a spiritual gift of faith for our church. But it was a little disheartening that it didn't go quicker. And, and there were times in which we could have just said, you know what, I guess it's not working. I guess we'll just, you know, call it a day and, and do something else. But I felt like, and you know, when God, when God puts something in your heart and you know that you know, you just got to stay patient in the focus and patient in the purpose. And some of us get impatient and we make all kinds of decisions based out of frustration and then we get prideful. And then we just make decisions based out of the impatience with our purpose. And I just want to tell you, these categories are real categories. We face them all the time. People, we face those things. Trouble, we face trouble. And we face our purpose. And I'm just saying, like, take a step back and let's give grace Let's trust the Lord, and let's stay focused on what God's called us to do. Now, the second category, and I've taken a lot of time, but the second category is patience is a transformation issue. So the categories are just practical. This is where we struggle, and this is maybe some, some tips on, on how scripturally we can tackle patience when we deal with people or trouble or our purpose. Now, patience is a transformation issue. This is where... I did not want to use this part of the message. Because how many know when you get convicted of something, you don't want to really talk about it? I, and, and this was one of those things. And I'm just being honest with you. I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm just saying, I, I, for whatever reason, this is a thing for me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, hmm, what do you want to say? Because he's going to say it to me first, typically. But I hope it helps you. Because I believe, scripturally speaking, that patience is not just a willpower thing. Again, it's not a switch you just turn on and just say, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to cuss anymore in traffic. I'm not going to, and I'm not saying I do that. I'm just saying some of you do. I've seen it. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Okay, huge, huge passage. Most of us know this, the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces, another word um, in the Greek would be transforms, transformation, we'll talk about that more in a minute, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is what the Spirit produces, the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. What's the next one? I've never, ever thought of it this way. 
that when I lack patience in whatever area, now I know we're all human, okay? So I'm not saying that we have to be perfect, but I am saying that when we lack patience, there is a Holy Spirit transformation issue. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, guys, this is what the Spirit is producing. And keeping the law ain't going to help you. These things are what the Holy Spirit... Let me go to um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Before we're saved, we're not being transformed by the Spirit. When that veil is removed, it says, we can see and reflect the glory. So in other words, when that veil of... of of, uh, of Jesus, when that veil of salvation, when that veil of the gospel is removed and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed. That Greek word metamorpho, where we get metamorphosis, it transforms us into his glorious image. So the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to transform us. And in that transformation, it produces fruit. So, so how does this work? Because I'm, I'm thinking, okay, and I've been serving the Lord a long time. So how, how can this be an issue? <laughs> or, and it may not be patience for you. It may be something else. We'll talk about that in a minute. Whatever it is, there is a transformation issue going on that needs to be addressed. Because when love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or gentleness or self-control, when, when these things are not being produced, something else is happening. And let me show you what else is happening. Four verses, five verses up from verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit, the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Let's go five verses up, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. That is what we want. We want to be led by the Spirit. Jesus said he will lead you into all truth. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. That's very important. So when we are being transformed and the Holy Spirit, we are allowed, let me say it this way. When we are allowing the Holy Spirit, in other words, we're not making his job hard. But when we are allowing, he gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature produces. Sinful nature has a fruit. Holy Spirit has a fruit. And when we struggle with patience or kindness or love or joy, whatever, when we struggle, there's a transformation issue. There is a produce issue. There is a fruit issue. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. We know that. We're human. There are times in which we, especially it's easy when we're singing the blessing. Right? I love that song. And we're singing the blessing. Oh, Lord, let your favor rest upon us. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And then three days later when something happens, we're, we're not, no favor, no blessing. That's out the window. We're using fingers for stuff, and, and it's like, okay. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so we're not free to carry out our good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sin, listen, here are the, here's the fruit of the sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Okay, so that is in the sexual realm. Sinful sexual things, that's what the sinful nature produces. And when we struggle in that area, there's a transformation issue going on. It doesn't mean you're evil. It just means that you have, there's some things going on in that part of your life that need to be addressed. And, and guys, I, I've said this over and over, but every Monday night at 6.30 p.m. here at this campus, we have a, a ministry called Regeneration. And, and when we struggle in these areas, what we're thinking is, well, the Holy Spirit's not doing anything, so I guess whatever, this is who I am. No, no, we go to work. And we say, okay, I'm gonna work with the Holy Spirit so he can transform my life. Then it goes to idolatry, sorcery, putting things before the Lord. So this is a relational issue. So when the relationship with the Lord is not right, there's a transformation issue going on. When our job is more important and money is more important and our hobbies are more important or our relationships are more important or our, our, our addiction is more important, again, I'm not saying we're evil. I'm just saying there's a transformation issue. And there is no better discipleship program that we have in this church that happens on, than, than what happens on Monday nights at 6.30. So, so if you... Now, here's where we're going. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. That's all relational. So when that is going on, the fruit of the flesh is you're ticked, you are jealous, you are envious, you are angry, you lack patience. Do you see where this is? You see how opposite this is from the Holy Spirit? And that's why I'm saying, maybe there's a new way to approach this to say, I think there's a transformation issue going on in my life. I'm struggling with sexual stuff, or I'm struggling with relational stuff. I'm struggling with relational stuff this way, God and then people. And then drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So when we struggle with that, again, I'm not saying you're evil. I'm just saying there's a transformation issue. And I know we live in an area that likes to party. Cowboys won. <gasps> the Rangers won. <gasps> Can I just, everybody look at me. When your life centers around alcohol, something is wrong. And that is a transformation. I'm not saying alcohol is wrong. I'm saying that when, it's, when your whole life is for Friday night or Saturday night, there's a transformation issue. When it's all, oh, thank you. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know you're being led by the Spirit when those things become less important. Put them back on the screen, John. That, that, yeah, John is the guy back there. I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> so the opposite of sexual immorality and purity and lustful pleasures the opposite is self-control, one of the fruit of the Spirit. When idolatry or sorcery or hostility, all these things, 
there is something else that the Holy Spirit wants to produce. But there is an issue. There is a blockage. There's something going on. And again, please understand, this, I'm not talking about salvation issues. I'm talking about discipleship issues. I'm talking about being in the center of God's will issues. And this is not easy. It's not like, well, one, two, three, switch a light, Holy Spirit zap me and I'm gonna be changed. No, there is work involved in being transformed. Holy Spirit's job is to do it. But when we focus our lives on the flesh, there is a transformation issue that's going on. And it makes our growth slower. It makes our relationship and our being led by the Spirit or guided by the Spirit, it makes it harder and harder. And we wonder why we keep going around the same mountain again and again. Guys, can I help? Can I just help you? It's a transformation issue. There's something going on. Here, so here's the big idea for today. Impatience is selfish, prideful, and undisciplined. How many would agree with me? That, that impatience is selfish. And I, this is, and can I just tell you, and I'm not joking, in, in, in traffic, that's a selfish issue. I have to be somewhere, or I want to be somewhere. Or your impatience with people, it's like, they're all stupid. They're all dysfunctional. They're all crazy. Nobody else knows but me, right? And when you're saying that, I'm just telling you, you're prideful. You're undisciplined. The big idea for today is when we allow impatience or the lack of patience to rule our lives. Guys, you can say all you want to. Well, I got it from my dad. I got it from my dad. It, I, it's just who I am. Or you can say, Holy Spirit, here's the next part. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives produces the exact opposite of those things. So here's what I want to, I want us to, I want, I'm going to say, I know better. I know better. But if I'm struggling in any of these areas of the fruit of the sinful nature, then Lord, help me to identify what's going on with me. What is it that I am short-circuiting or making the Holy Spirit's job harder in this transformation process because what I want is the fruit of the Spirit. I want what He produces, not what my sinful nature produces. But far too often, a lot of us would, if we were honest, we would say, well, yeah, probably I struggle more. This is ruling my life, the sinful nature fruit is ruling my life more than the Holy Spirit. And of course we have both at work. We're human. But what if we could just take a step back today and say, Lord, um, I'm broken and I don't know how to fix me. I'm addicted. I'm struggling. I'm angry, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm a hypocrite, but I want what you have. Amen. And I want you to produce in me 
everything that you want to produce in me. I don't want to live in this area. I don't want to live in the sinful nature. I want you, Holy Spirit, I want you to produce. And I don't want to be the, make your job hard. So maybe that is. You're saying, well, what can I do? Well, maybe you need to go to Regent. 6.30, Monday night, here at Frisco East. Maybe you need to read more scripture and just take some time out of your life and world and, and, and put sports aside or put books aside and say, all right, you know what? Because everything I taught you today, it comes from scripture. I didn't make this up. It comes from scripture. So, so when we read scripture, the word is powerful, Hebrews 4. The word is powerful. It's sharp and it cuts, but it's a good cut. It exposes us. And I'm telling you, the word of God is powerful in our lives. Maybe you need to spend more time in prayer. Maybe you need to turn the radio off, the stereo off, and just say, okay, Lord. I know it seems like every time I come to you, I need something. But can I just tell you, everybody look at me. Can I just tell you? Don't let that be an excuse. He He told us, Jesus told us, hey, tell God what you need. Here's how to pray. Give me this day my daily bread. He's not afraid of you asking for stuff. When my kids come, especially at this age, when they come right now and say, hey, Dad, what do you do? I don't go, man, I am so busy. Do you understand? I'm running a world. And you want to have a job issue? No, he's not like that. He's like, come to me, all you weary and heavy laden. Those of you that are discouraged and, and, and anxious and lack patience in this season just accentuates the, the failings of your life. So today, you received a communion packet. Would you grab that? <clears throat> I want us to end <clears throat> today. I'm going to light an Advent candle, and we will do so every week. <clears throat> but if you didn't receive a communion packet across all of our campuses, would you just raise your hand real high? Uh, whether you're at McKinney, Prosper, Frisco West, online, if you have some some crackers or some juice or wine available, just would you grab that? And how about we do this? Everybody look, everybody look at me, if you can, as they're walking around. Jesus lived the life, everybody look at me, that you and I could not live. Okay? No sin. So the impatience, the sexual immorality, the drunkenness, the addiction, the, the anger, all those things. He paid for. He paid for it. When God looks at us on that day, not guilty. So when I talk to you about all these things, all these things, it's about getting to heaven. It's not about condemning us and just making us feel like we're just less than Christians and I'll never be. No. Jesus paid the price for our impatience and our sin. But just because he paid the price doesn't mean, okay, well, I'll just be impatient then. No. We just say, Lord, I want you, the Lord who is the Spirit, to transform my life, to look like you, Jesus, because I'm not doing a very good job. And when you and I try to do it in our flesh, you know what we become? Religious leaders. 
we become very self-righteous. But when the Holy Spirit does it, we're filled with love. We're filled with grace. We're filled with peace. We're filled with, do you understand what I'm saying? So when we take this bread and we take this cup, we're thanking the Lord that he's paid for all the stuff in our lives that we're struggling with. And that this season seems to accentuate our failures and our flaws. But, but Jesus. So as I light this candle of of patience, may we endeavor in this season which brings so much hope, so much joy, so much love. May we endeavor to be more surrendered this season than ever before. Let's eat the bread, his body together. Let's drink the cup, his blood. Father, we we're human, and I know you know that. It doesn't mean that we don't put forth the effort to be right in the center of your will for our lives. It, it's this. Sometimes it seems complicated and hard to do this, but but if we could just make it simple, and just make it a daily prayer in this season, Lord, I surrender. We sang it earlier. I surrender all, Lord. I surrender. I surrender my good stuff that I think that I'm really righteous in. I surrender my failures. I surrender anything and everything. And I just, Holy Spirit, I want you, Lord, who is the Spirit, to transform me into the image of Jesus. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.